0: Okay everybody, welcome back to Talk With the Now podcast and my name is Gene and I'm back as your host as usual. Today I've got another great guest on. I wanted to bring somebody on because I've talked about wanting to get into some theology a little bit with the podcast, but I also want to bring on somebody that has some training and some, um, you know, spiritual experience over the years um, in the area of theology. And so today I've got my good friend Alan Johnson on. How are you, Alan?
1: I'm doing well, Gene. Thanks for having me on.
0: Well, thanks for being on. Um, I've got my kids at home right now. So if you hear any screaming in the background, that's just them. It's, it's not me making some sort of weird noise. Oh, <laughs> uh, Well, um, before we get into anything related to theology, um, I kind of wanted to get a little bit into your own background. Um Tell me about tell you tell me and the audience a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, uh, kind of the era that you grew up in, and maybe what brought you into feeling called to be a, um, you know, a pastor, as we like to say in the church, a minister of the gospel.
1: Sure. Yeah. I uh, I grew up in South Mississippi, town called Hattiesburg. Uh, My wife also did as well. In fact, she lived half a mile from me, and the Lord kept us apart until she had finished college and I had a year left. He knew we didn't need to meet too soon. Although it is strange, we had close friends in common and just never met. Uh, But I grew up there, um, grew up uh, in a Christian home. Uh, My parents became believers uh, shortly after I was born, actually, they had kind of, you know, grown up in the church, weren't going, uh, but the Lord worked in their lives, drew them to himself and, So, as long as I remember, they were believers and grew up going to church, hearing the gospel, grew up in a good church, First Presbyterian Church in Hattiesburg. Um, Of course, back then in the 60s, uh, when I was born and baptized and uh, grew up in that church, it was a PCUS congregation, Southern Presbyterian Church. And uh, actually, I was looking back over the records uh, at... Uh, some stuff my mother had saved when my church pulled out of that church in September of 1973, actually just a few months before the PCA's first General Assembly, and uh, my home church became part of the PCA um, at that time, or shortly after the PCA was formed, and so by the time I made my profession of faith, became uh, what we call the Presbyterian circles a communing member uh, it was a PCA church, so I had been in the PCA uh, my whole life as a communion member. Uh, I like to say Presbyterian by birth uh, and Presbyterian by conviction uh, as I grew <laughs> older. Um, as far as uh, ministry goes, uh, that was not something I had grown up thinking about. Uh, When I started thinking about what I wanted to do as I was getting ready to go out to college, uh, my father is a retired doctor. That's what I knew about. That's what I was interested in. I went off to college as a pre-med student, Uh, was was pre-med for a couple of years, took lots of biology, chemistry. Uh, For the most part, I enjoyed it. I liked science, enjoyed doing that. Um, But my first year in college... Uh, The Lord really took hold of me. My parents sent me to college with a copy of F.F. Bruce's uh, commentary on Romans in the Tyndale commentary series, and I started reading Romans and kind of working through that book, and I thought, well, I'll just continue on, so I continued on into 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and just reading through the New Testament, which I had never done before. And uh, you know, I knew I ought to be reading my Bible when I was growing up, and I would make a few uh, attempts. It would eventually and pretty quickly fall by the wayside. But something happened, and I just couldn't get enough of the scriptures. And um, and I'd heard a lot of this preach. You know, like I said, it was a solid church, uh, preached the gospel. But for the first time, I was really seeing how it all connected and how it how it flowed, and uh, that was great. And uh, finally, by summer of '83. I was getting ready to go back to my sophomore year in college. um, And it was August, actually August of 1983. And I was reading in the book of Acts, having come full circle from Romans, I read through the gospels, now reading the book of Acts, reading about Peter, reading about Paul, preaching the gospel. And uh, I had had this question enter my, my head, does God want me to preach the gospel? And it was that, it wasn't a command, it was a question. But a question I knew I had to answer, and a question deep down, I already kind of knew the answer to. Um, and so I, you know, I started talking to people, talked to my pastors. Uh, uh, my senior pastor at the time was Roy Taylor, who just just, just uh, recently retired as state of clerk of the PCA. He was at our church for about 11 years. And others, I'm an RUF campus minister in college. How do you know if God's called you to the ministry? I wrestled with that, wrestled with that, and uh, finally just reached the point where I I was convinced he was. And so uh, I I wound up uh, finishing up college, majored in English, which I loved, and uh, shortly after college then went on and started seminary. And so that's how that came about. I I had my objections. I was a very shy kid growing up, the thought of speaking in front of, well, speaking to anybody, let alone a crowd, uh, was, was frightening. And I had, you know, the idols of my heart that I wanted to pursue. And, uh, the Lord helped me work through those things and repent of those things and, uh, follow his call.
0: So, um, wow, that's a lot. Um, being in Mississippi growing up, you, so your dad was a doctor. Um, yes. And it sounds like y'all had a, um, your your dad from Mississippi, I think you said, or did you say that? Yeah, he
1: grew up. He grew up in Hattiesburg, also, actually.
0: Okay, so you have a lineage of um, Mississippians, I guess.
1: Yeah, I was I was the third generation in our family to graduate from Hattiesburg High School. So oh. We went way back there, and in fact, that was one of the idols of my heart. I was rooted there. I wanted to stay there. Yeah, uh, but I will say I've enjoyed every place the Lord has taken us in ministry, which hasn't been that many. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, but that was one of the things I had to get over okay
0: so I saw an interesting thing and I'll have to send it to you if I think to find it I think I had it on my Facebook page it was this exhaustive uh fact sheet about Mississippi things that I had never realized about Mississippi and it was I can't even think of even an example right now but it was I was quite impressed with how much there was about Mississippi that it had going on like you know in my mind um you know my very sheltered i've never even been out of the uh the united states mind growing up i always looked at mississippi to you know to this day i kind of hate to admit this i've never been west of alabama (laughs) uh so i need to go to mississippi i need to go to texas need to go to california all that you know do have it on the calendar one day but in my mind there wasn't much to mississippi and i think a lot of americans think that but as somebody that becomes became involved with the church especially the Presbyterian Church in America. Um, I was very impressed with a um, some of the, I guess you would call it, uh, people that were involved with Mississippi and RTS that's out in uh, Jackson. Now, is that where you went to college at following your, um, I'm sorry, following your college days? Did you go to RTS in Mississippi for seminary?
1: I did, yeah. Um, I, I was uh, dating uh, Barbara at the time, and like that, RTS was uh, just a couple hours away from Hattiesburg, up in Jackson. When I started, that was RTS, and it was in Jackson. While I was there, they started the Orlando campus. Um, but yes, that's where I was. I did I did one year of seminary uh, in Philadelphia at Westminster. Uh, I was thinking about you know pursuing an academic track, and uh, Barbara and I uh, track, and Barbara and I went up there and loved it. I mean, it was very really cross cultural. You know, coming from South Mississippi to uh, to Philadelphia, uh, but we loved it. You know, heard James Boyce preaching through Romans at 10th Presbyterian, and know, uh, and got six inches of snow on Thanksgiving. That was different. Um, and <laughs> snow on the ground through the winter. So uh, we loved it. But at the same time, and I love the academics and uh, enjoy that very much, but I became convinced that uh, the Lord wanted me in the pulpit. Well, I, I wanted to be front lines and um, so we decided to go back to RTS and some things that RTS had changed, I think for the better, they got in a, a guy who was an excellent preaching professor that I had my senior year and really enjoyed my senior year back at RTS, uh, Ligon Duncan had just started there and I had him for covenant theology, that was his first year, uh, teaching there, uh, had advanced Greek exegesis with Knox Chamblin, who is now with the Lord. He was a superb, uh, teacher just a a gentle, you know, wise, godly, uh, and, and skilled uh, gifted teacher. Hmm. So a lot at Douglas Kelly for theology at RTS. Um, so yeah, I was, I was very thankful actually for my teachers there and at Westminster. I had some great teachers at Westminster too. I kind of like to think I got the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah. Well, I know very little about RTS. I mean, I know some about it, but, um, did it get? Is its origins out of Mississippi?
1: Yes, it started uh, in Mississippi. Uh-huh. Um, and you mentioned Mississippi. Uh, I love Mississippi. I, I've, I've frankly, I've I think I've lived away from Mississippi as long now as I lived there growing up. Uh-huh. But um, Mississippi, the whole state, has a population that's about half that of Metro Atlanta. Um, someone once said, "Mississippi isn't a state; it's a family." And there's uh, something to be said for that uh, for that about Mississippi. One of our favorite things is, you know, who do you know? Oh, yeah, oh I know so-and-so. Do you know them? <laughs> yeah, I know their family. Yeah. Um, and yet, Mississippi, to be, you know, such a small population, you think of, uh, you know, the literary talent that's come out of it, the musical talent, Leontine Price, of course, uh, Elvis. The king himself. Uh, people own. Uh, but yeah, the literary, you know, past and present, uh, it's, it's a remarkable place. And of course, somewhat innately conservative, which carried over into the church. It's when, when uh, RTS was being started in the 60s, it was started as Reformed Theological Institute. And in 1966, I believe, became Reformed Theological Seminary, and it was designed to be a, uh, a more biblical uh, counterpart to Columbia Seminary indicator here in the metro Atlanta area uh, which was going increasingly liberal uh, more and more concerns about it so um, RTS started in Atlanta first President Jackson was instrumental in its beginnings um, and so uh, it found uh, you know welcoming ground in Mississippi It's also true, I think, there's a sense in which the conservatism of Mississippi provided a place for RTS to start, and RTS, in turn, influenced the churches of Mississippi. Uh, When the PCA was formed, there were quite a number of churches in Mississippi that came out from the PCUS to become part of the PCA. In the Atlanta area, I believe there were just four that were the beginnings of North Georgia Presbytery, which, of course grew and grew. Uh, by the time I became part of North Georgia Presbytery, it was, it was, you know, at least 10 times that size um, so, and eventually divided into three Presbyteries because it had become so large. So um, Mississippi is a fascinating place. I encourage you to go visit sometime. Of course, it's different. The coast is different from the Delta, Is different from Jackson, you know, it was it's different from Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg wasn't incorporated till 1882. It really is kind of a new South town that arose with the timber and railroad industries uh, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. In fact, that's what brought us there. My great grandfather came to Hattiesburg because he was working with uh, working for one of the lumber companies there.
0: Mm. Wow. Okay. I um. Yeah. Of course, I've always known Mississippi as you know. My dad was a huge elvis fan when i was growing up yep. you know as a guy that as a uh, baby boomer my dad just loved elvis and um uh most I was trying to remember the um studio that he came out of memphis right though as an artist am i correct in that i think he did yeah
1: born in tupelo but uh yeah associated of course graceland his his home was in memphis right and, yep uh, some people may not know it jim henson of the muppets was from a Mississippi. Uh, That's we, right. Uh, we recently were at a museum and saw an exhibit on him. It was talking about that. But yeah, Jim Henson. Uh, huh. he and
0: and uh, Morgan Freeman, the famous actor, was yeah. from there, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So it is remarkable that a state uh, with such a relatively small population seems to produce a uh, kind of talent in various fields that it has.
0: Yeah, I agree with that because I look at um, a lot of times it's a matter of motivation and um, sort of what what's at the heart of people's heart, if you will, because you yeah. think about Alabama, for example, and nobody would ever Alabama has no professional sports teams, nor does Mississippi, I guess. Right. Um, but you think about Alabama, their heart is in football. And he, I don't know if you could think of a better powerhouse than, as much as I'm, I'm not an Alabama fan, by the way, <laughs> you know. But you know yeah. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, that's where you think of when you think of college football, you know.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and of course um, Southern Miss, Ole Miss State, and other colleges in Mississippi. Um, the joke is the two largest states in Mississippi are Memphis and New Orleans. <laughs> uh, of course, Hattiesburg being in the southern end of the state, hundred miles from New Orleans, and grew up going there a lot. Uh, everyone was big Saints fans because they were nearby and, of course, because of Archie Manning. And ah. so, you know, finished Ole Miss, went to the Saints. So, uh, yes, yeah, at our home, the Saints were on. Uh, even that period of time, the Aints were on. And everyone had bags on their heads. Um, so, yeah.
0: So, are you still rooting for the Saints uh, these days?
1: Um, I am generally. Uh, I will usually pull for the Falcons when they're playing the Saints um but yeah overall i, I still still like yeah. say
0: yeah that makes sense yeah, yeah. i um i oh, go uh, Brett far another guy i just thought about from mississippi as a matter yep. of fact um
1: in fact i pass his house now on the way out to my parents we we'll go back to visit hmm. we'll go out to uh, highway 98 west and uh yeah we we'll go right past the gates to his his his, his uh, farm his place out there
0: he still lives there huh i didn't know i did not know that yeah. okay well, oh okay. wow um, I would like to one day, and I'll get off the subject of Mississippi, but I would like to uh one day visit the little I've heard there's like a um I cannot remember the name of it, but they call it like a trail of some sort. It's sort of like an old South antebellum type trail. I think I uh, it was it was going along the Mississippi to those little towns at Dot, I guess, in Mississippi. I don't know if that sounds familiar yeah. or
1: not. The Natchez Trace? That sounds right. Something yeah, like that, that runs from Natchez on up through the Delta. I've driven some of it.
0: Yeah. That, that had, that had a cool, I've seen that on a few television shows, um, that made it very interesting. So, um, anyway, back to your story though, you were, um, you graduated from, uh, RTS. Uh, what year was that?
1: That was in 91. In fact, uh, it occurred to me back, uh, you know, May had been 30 years.
0: Wow. 91. Okay. Um, you know, I was pretty young in 91. What I was kind of wondering, um, so you graduated in 91. What was your first, what was the, I guess, what was the landscape of America like then? And where was your first calling right out of seminary?
1: Um, very, very different. I mean, the things we see going on now uh, are, are different from then, mm-hmm. just culturally. Um, of course, in, in 91, um, I had a computer in seminary. It was a Tandy 1000. Uh, I didn't even have a hard drive. It had two floppies. One was a software that ran it. The other one was, you know, one to save whatever I was working on. And I got through seminary on that. So, uh, you know, no cell phones, anything like that, smartphones. Um, I have to think back though. Um, I just recently read a book set in 1990 and I'm sure it was hard for the author to, um, you know, he had to go back and remember how much technology was available at the time so um yeah i i I'm trying to remember the political scene, although yeah, that's
0: yeah, that would have been around the Gulf War time of uh george uh, w bush or george, george H w Bush yeah. the,
1: the Gulf War in fact uh my son was born when he was born uh George Bush was president by the time he left the hospital and he had to stay a few extra days uh Clinton Bill Clinton had become president
0: hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, So what was your
1: um, overall were were great. You know, I mean, the end of the Cold War. um, You know, the the so-called peace dividend, the collapse of the Soviet Union, um, Mm -hmm. America, you know, really few real foreign threats at the time. It was the 90s were a good time
0: yes yes they were i was uh i was a high school and a college person during those times so i can uh, definitely remember how how much fun i had during that time just as a yeah. you know very little responsibilities for me from 90 to 2000
1: <laughs> yeah that's kind of the 80s for me yeah, yeah. <laughs> college, seminary. Yep. Uh,
0: um, so what was the um the first thing that you did that first year out of seminary where were you called to or what did you do
1: Yeah, I took a call uh, to Westminster Presbyterian Church in Clinton, South Carolina. It looks like Clinton, but they pronounce it Clinton, silent T. Hmm. And uh, I was an assistant pastor uh, doing a lot of youth ministry, preaching occasionally. uh, And we loved it. It was a small town. Presbyterian College is there. uh, Also, uh, Thornwell Home for Children. Presbyterian home, a PCUSA retirement home. It's a very Presbyterian little town. and uh, we loved it there. I uh, loved the people, loved the church. Um, our son was born uh, when we were there. So good years i was I was there three and a half years. and um, we enjoyed that time. We've been back a few times for some homecomings and uh, events and, and sadly a funeral or two uh, at the church there, but um, I deeply appreciated their extending me a call uh, out of seminary and I loved mm-hmm.
0: who was your pastor?
1: His name was David Bryan. He was senior pastor there, and he had come out of um, Chattanooga, the first, first Presbyterian church Chattanooga when Ben Hayden was there. And uh and and I appreciate him, learned a lot from him, enjoyed working with him, being part of that church.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so then you um if uh, I get, if I remember the story from, uh, what you've told me, you felt a calling to come to Atlanta to plant a church. Is that right?
1: No, although close uh, to planting a church, uh, when Barbara and I were in South Carolina, I'd always felt like God had called me to preach pastor church. And there hmm. is the point where we just started praying, uh, that the Lord would open up a place for us to go. And curiously, we specifically said a place where we would really have to trust him, uh, so that was that was kind of how we put it. Uh, we didn't know what that looked like. I had talked to a church um, for a good ways, a, a good while, and got pretty pretty far into the process, and just became convinced that's not where the Lord wanted me to be. And uh, so we, I just kind of threw myself back into my ministry there at Westminster. Uh, In the meantime, uh, someone we knew uh, saw at General Assembly. We'd actually seen him before this, and he told us about his church in the uh, Atlanta area, that it was going through some hard times, uh, the pastor um, and the things he was teaching and just things going on in the church. And um, so then I saw him at General Assembly, UCA General Assembly, in summer of 94, and he asked me to send a resume. And so I did. I said, well, you know, why not? So I did. Didn't hear anything for a little while, and finally I heard from the chairman of the search committee, who uh, who who told me, you know, they had been through some difficult times, lost some members, uh, about fifty people in the church. I said, okay, you know, let's let's talk. Well, I didn't hear anything for a while, and then I heard back from him. He said, well, we're down to about twenty-five people. Are you still interested? <laughs> I said, sure. Yeah, let's talk. Um, so uh, we did, and I preached in another church in South Carolina, filling in for the, the pastor, and their search committee came to hear me and uh, met with me that afternoon, and uh, we, they, they told me the, the whole tale of what had happened in their church, which was Old Peachtree Presbyterian Church here in Duluth, uh, metro Atlanta area, and um, they invited me to come as a candidate to preach for them, and so I did. And um, the next week, they held a congregational meeting to call me, and uh, the vote to call me was 15 for and one against. And the one against, uh, I later learned, was uh, a woman in the church, a pretty elderly lady had been around a long time, and she, liked me, she just was concerned about the money they were offering me, and uh, her sense of money may have stopped increasing around 1960 or so. But anyway, she uh, she and I got to be good friends uh, during the time I knew when she was actually six, six years in, my first funeral in the church. I went six years before my first funeral in the church, which I thought was pretty remarkable. Mm. Uh, but it also gives you a sense, you know, 16 votes cast, the size of the congregation. So when I say it's not far from a church plant, that was pretty close. Although a church plant with a, a building, though it was built in the mid-20s, an old building, and... Um, and, and land debt-free in metro Atlanta. So it had some attractive
0: um, mm-hmm.
1: facets to it as well. But when I came, you know, that the whole thing had been, the whole church had been through uh, uh, quite the, the, the mess. Uh, people had left, you know, uh, it was kind of just uh, pieces. And so I came in and, uh, you know, just started preaching. Um, that first spring, I preached through Colossians. My first sermon here, I preached you know where paul says in philippians you're forgetting what lies behind i press on to take forward of that for which take hold of that for which christ jesus has taken hold of me uh, and that spring preached through colossians and um you know we just started praying we needed to add people to survive we could only go so long and but the lord started bringing people and started answering our prayers and um uh, started coming started joining And uh, so we certainly thank the Lord for his faithfulness and he answered Barbara's in my prayer to take us somewhere where we would really have to trust in him. But also, uh, you know, have sort of been in awe of the people who were there when it would have been very easy to quit and just go to other churches who not only held on to keep a church going, but had the faith to uh, reach out and call a pastor to come to, to the church. So and you know, uh, I'm thankful for those people and the faith that they showed in the Lord and the faith that they showed in me, a, a young 30-year-old who had never actually preached week to week to week uh, as I was about to do when I came here. And uh, the Lord uh, the Lord has been good to us. over the years.
0: So that was 94, you said, or 95?
1: That was, I came in the, I interviewed in December of 94 and actually started in February of 95. 95 okay
0: um yeah I, I misspoke when i said plant i think i meant to say um did was that when you had the calling to go to and a plant came out
1: <laughs> Yeah. I, well and, and we i didn't know the term at the time i, I guess it would be a revitalization effort um, yeah you know, the term you hear now but i didn't know that. At the time. I tell you
0: so, some plants probably have more than 25 people i would imagine that started oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 depends
1: on how they're set
0: up no kidding yeah um well, that's pretty cool. I think that that's, um, appreciate you sharing about your, um, kind of your story about how you came into being called to it and you're still preaching at old Peace Tree. Um, I guess that would be 25 years later almost, or no.
1: Let's see. It's been 20. 26 and a half. Yeah. This past February was 26 years,
0: 26 years. Okay. Um, so I guess, um, cause I know we got to wrap it up here soon, but I wanted to also, um, Because part of what my podcast is for people of any, you know, I guess you would call it a variety of person that wants to just listen to something good is to bring in a spiritual component to the podcast. And um, I uh, wanted to have you in, and if you want to do it, um, you know, on a semi-regular basis or whatever, whenever you can to come over and we'll talk spiritual things. Um, I wanted to, first off, I, I think a great way to sort of introduce this whole subject is to um, kind of give um, our audience who I would just assume some might be very educated in theology and God and gospel and Bible. And some people may hear those words and they think religion, I don't care about it. You know, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So um, I feel like in a lot of times in the media, television, what have you, um, outside of a few talking heads, one of the biggest may be Billy Graham, um, the conservative Christian movement doesn't get much of a voice. Um, and um, maybe a few other people that are semi-famous, I guess you would, for lack of a better word. Um, so what I wanted to do is just sort of get some good biblical understanding of different topics. Um, so with that, I guess I would ask um, for, the, for the listener maybe, what would you say... When we, you think of the word, I guess we could start with theology. We start with theology. What, what is theology? Um, what is um, the Bible or the use of the Bible? And what is even meant by the gospel and how it relates to the two? How, how's that for a question?
1: Sure. Well, uh, how long do you have?
0: <laughs> we'll do a 10,000 10, you know, foot overview. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: theology, uh, theos, Greek word for God, is, is just the study of God. Uh, and you could say, generally, it's, you know, it's thinking about God. It's, it's writing about God. Who is God? And someone once said, everyone's a theologian in the informal sense, that we, we all have ideas about God, even if that idea is that he doesn't exist. Uh, but we all have ideas about who God is. So I, I do like to say, you know, we all engage in theology. We're just thinking about God. But the question is, you know, are our thoughts about God shaped by just impressions we've had or maybe books we've read or movies we've seen or just how we like to think of God. Some people will say, you know, I like to think of God this way. I once in a sermon talked about that and I said, you know, suppose you in our church said, I like to think of Alan Johnson as an NFL linebacker. I mean, the guy is, the guy's ripped, he's fast, he's strong. And I said, you can think of me that way if you want to, but it has nothing to do with the reality of, of who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not an NFL linebacker. And it's the same thing with God. You now, we may think of God one way or another, but the question is, who is God? And uh, you mentioned the Bible. That's what the Bible is about. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to us. Um, the Bible is a fascinating book. It was written over some 15, 1600 years, written by some 40 different people, give or take. Um, and yet, the unity. The flow of a single storyline from beginning to end of God's plan of redeeming a fallen sinful humanity uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his life, through his death, um, is the consistent theme of the Bible throughout. The Old Testament sacrifices are pointing to Jesus that God is holy and we are not and our sin needs to be atoned for. And in fact, you see imagery from the, the beginning of scripture, for example, a tree of life in the Garden of Eden shows up at the very end of the Bible, the revelation, kind of that glorious climactic ending to scripture. But, you know, and the Bible is a big book, there's a lot there, but it's always helpful to go in and remember that the Bible is about Jesus. It's either preparing and pointing the way forward to his coming into the world, talking about his ministry in the world, and then in the epistles and so forth, uh, talking about what it meant, what what Jesus' life and death and resurrection meant, how it applies to us. Uh, You mentioned the word gospel. Uh, the, The word gospel, English word means good news, which is the Greek term translated gospel, also literally means good message or good news. And it is, you know, I mean, the message of the Bible is not you know, you gotta try harder, you gotta be good, you know, you gotta hunker down, and maybe just maybe you'll get into heaven. No, that's that's nonsense. The Bible's message is there's no way you can be good enough to get into heaven. That's the bad news. You know, we're all sinful, I'm sinful, you are. We all are, we all, as the Bible says, fall short of the kingdom of God. The reason the gospel is good news is because it says that God has provided for us in Jesus what we need and yet can't provide for ourselves. Namely, Jesus dies for our sins. He suffered hell, the hell we deserve on the cross. Uh, we receive his perfect righteousness. The Bible says Jesus was tempted but never sinned. So it's like a swap takes place. Jesus on the cross got what the believer deserved, and while we get, in essence, what Jesus deserves through his perfection, and that is a relationship with God, a eternal life with him. And it's, it's, Sad sometimes when the the, the message of good news is actually turned around and becomes bad news. It's good news. Eternal life for the, for the trusting in Jesus and for the believing in him. And yes, when God saves us, he changes us. He he changes our desires. We do want to obey him. We want to please him. We won't do it perfectly, but we want to, you know, but um, the message of the Bible is good news. It is gospel. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, whether I'm preaching from, like I am right now, Second Kings on Sunday morning, one really of the historical books, or preaching for the book of Hebrews in the New Testament on Sunday nights, you know, ultimately the question is, how does this text point to Jesus? They all do, one way or another.
0: I think that's um, really good, Alan, to uh, a good overview in a lot of ways for what I want to talk about. Um, the... The Bible itself, theology, I, in my personal opinion, I guess, you can't talk about those without Jesus, and I think that that's, you really summed it up well, that I, I would imagine a lot of people, if they're looking, and they're, we'll just say, um, we'll call them unbelievers right now, or just people, non-believers, irreligious, whatever, if they looked at it and they said, that's that's just the Bible, it was written a long time ago by these old men, or, or maybe even um, somebody that's... Um, Just doesn't believe in Christianity itself, whatever. Um, They may look at it and just say that's, but I think that that was a great thing you said that the Bible is about Jesus from beginning to end. um, It's about Jesus. So,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, like I said in my own story, uh, the Lord put this interest in the Bible. I started reading it like I hadn't before. Um, you know, and if someone's watching this and, and not familiar with the Bible, I would say maybe, you know, take up the, the book of Matthew, first book of the New Testament, or maybe the Gospel of John, uh, and just start reading it. You know, read it for yourself. Sometimes we hear a lot about the Bible, you know, have an impression. where well, we've never really read it. I'd say, you know, the King James Version is great, but, um, you know, it wouldn't have lasted as long if it wasn't. But, you know, to look for it. We use the ESV, English Standard Version. Uh, modern English, a little easier to understand the new living translations, another one. Uh, you know and just read it for yourself and saying, you know Lord, show me yourself, reveal yourself to me here in your in, in these words of the Bible um, I remember I remember c s. Lewis in his own conversion, uh, he was a professed atheist for a while, was known as a Christian writer and and writer in other ways, uh, Narnia and the space trilogy. Um, but I remember he commented. He's reading the gospel. He said, that, "You know, people said this is mythology. This is not mythology." He said, "I know mythology." He was a you know English professor, teacher, uh, scholar, and uh, he was reading the gospel, saying, "This this is not mythology. No, it's written as history. What Jesus did, and if we go with what the Bible says that Jesus is in fact God in the flesh, the miracles become no problem. In fact, they they authenticate." jesus and his and his work and his message
0: i think you rounded out good for me because i'm gonna let you go we got a hard stop here but um i was gonna ask for my last question what would you advise somebody that was a new believer or a um i guess a seeking um non-believer that just wants to understand more about this you know theology or jesus or the bible and i think that actually reading the bible is a great place to start and i think that was you know.
1: It is, and, and some people, you know, don't be daunted by the size of the Bible, because while it is one book and one story, like I said, you can read the Gospel of Matthew, uh, you can read the Gospel of John, the book, book of Romans, that are all much shorter. Uh, and I, you know, some people start at Genesis and try to head through and, you know, sometimes stagger and fall in the middle of Leviticus, which, granted, is a great book, but not the, the easiest to reading. I would say start with something like Matthew or John or maybe Mark, any of the gospels, really. Luke is beautiful. You know, the great Christmas story. Uh, mm-hmm. as Luke it, Luke two. Um, Romans, you know, for the theology of Jesus, Acts. Acts is a great book, a lot of action, just the beginnings of the New Testament church and, you know, the, 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 the preaching of the gospel and how the church grew in its early days and including some of the problems that it faced. Uh, Acts is, a, you know, a, a good book to read just for the action.
0: what about um what about this when i was a new believer um my teens i had questions but i I didn't know many people what do you suggest for people um as far as if they're listening for instance if they're listening to this for the first time or you know they're just generally have questions after hearing what you said um where do you where would you like to point them to for their questions you know what i mean
1: sure sure um, one thing about questions is, you know, we've been, the Bible's been around around a long time. We've been studying a long time. And, um, you know, sometimes, for example, if somebody goes up to college and their professor raises some question about the Bible or something. Yeah, you know, first of all, know that that's not you. Um, you know, these questions have been asked. Uh, the Bible's been studied now since the New Testament for 2,000 years. Um, but, you know, the... the um, there's some good, good websites. Uh, there's one I like, uh, a guy named uh, Michael Kruger. is actually president of um, Reformed Seminary in Charlotte and has done a lot of work on New Testament canon, you know, why, why these books of the Bible and not others, you know, and how did these books come to be the New Testament and not others. He's done a lot of work in that area. His, his blog is called Canon Fodder. Uh, He's written a lot uh, more recently on some of these apologetics, as we call it, making a defense of the faith kind of questions. Um, And and those kinds of things are are helpful. Um, Certainly, you know, Mm. the Internet is a a blessing and a bane. There's a lot of garbage out there, but there's so much good stuff on the Internet um, that is available, you know, so that would be, that would be one resource I would point people to, but I would also, you know, just again, emphasize the Bible itself. In many ways, the Bible answers its own questions mm-hmm. um, I, you know, and as, as far as people in our church or, you know, people who know me, I'm always happy to talk with people and, and wrestle with questions that they have. Uh, and just know that, you know, your question probably is not new, Right. And, and there are answers.
0: Okay, well, um, I think that's a good way to round it. Maybe I'll, um, with your permission, maybe I'll get an email or something from you to post with this video. So that if someone has a theological question or whatever, they can send it to you. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, Alan, I'm going to let you go, and I appreciate you coming on with me today. And uh, that's good stuff. And I, if you're really willing to come back, I think we got more to dig
1: into. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, thank you, James. Been a pleasure yeah. being with you. Thanks for
0: having me on. Okay, everybody. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.